This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Michael Kalstrup and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit us at www.thefellowship.church. Well, how many of you are looking forward to this new year? Yeah, I know we're getting down the road here a ways, six weeks or so. And, you know, we've been talking about, you know, 2020 vision casting, what it is that we're going to be doing. And especially we've talked about it in the context of the church. Um, Maybe more so, um, well, we talked about the church, you know, how that our whole emphasis this year is going to be on the family. And uh, we realize that if families are healthy, if they're strong, if they're walking in the light of the word of God, if everybody's flying, you know, in in, uh, uh, order, then chances are everything else is going to be pretty good. But if they aren't, that, well, then you got another kind of thing going on there. We also talked about your spiritual growth or personal growth. How many of you want to grow? Huh? How many of you don't care? Okay. Why is that important to you? Well, because the Bible talks about, you know, being changed from glory to glory and from faith to faith. Isn't that right? And, uh, <laughs> oh, boy, are you ready for this? I tell you what, we're going to get right down into the short rows here and talk about our lives. That'd be all right with you? You know, change doesn't change until you change. I know that's really profound, but it's true. Unless you change where your life is concerned, nothing is going to change, huh? It's that whole thing about definition of insanity. How many of you want to grow? How many of you want to change? Some hands went down. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. But the reality is, is that if we want to grow, and I believe that all of us do, you know, but let me ask you a question about that. I mean, what what does that look like for you? You know, I can say, well, you know, our families are the deal where we're at, you know, and of course, what we're doing with that is we're having marriage things. We're going to talk about parenting stuff. We're going to be doing a lot of things in these uh, months leading out of winter into the spring, talking about the subject. We've got Joe McGee coming Uh, The other thing that I just mentioned to you coming up on the 23rd. In other words, what we're doing is we're putting legs to the desire we have for people to have better families, marriages, relationships, so on and so forth. Well, when it comes to your personal growth, you know, growing spiritually, what, what is it? What does that look like? Well, I don't know. I'm just going to grow, you know, I'm just going to grow. Well, how? In other words, what I'm suggesting to you this morning is, is that You kind of need to drive a stake in the ground, as it were, to determine where it is that you're at, and then that way you can decide or define what it is that you're going to do so that when you get down the road a ways, we can see whether or not you actually move from the stake. Are you with me? Because again, a lot of times we don't really give definition to the things, and I'll give you some examples in talking about growing spiritually. Number one, maybe it has to do with your personal devotion and study. Maybe you haven't been a person of that. Maybe you're a person who, you know, you're not that charged up about reading. A lot of guys, they don't really like to read. You know, some people, man, they're bookish. I mean, they'll just burn through these books. And it's amazing to me how they do that, you know, so depending on where you're at. But I mean, again, you know, what about that part of your life called personal devotion? Maybe you want to up the ante on that, you know, in terms of, you know, a little bit hit and miss, and maybe it happens once in a while, or maybe it doesn't happen at all. It's a good place for us, again, to drive a stake. It might be in small group. Everybody say small group. Maybe you, you don't belong to a small group. 
uh, I'd encourage you to do it. You say, why? Well, because, praise God, you might learn something. Hey, that's a, that's a, that's a powerful idea. And not only that, I love uh, small groups because I see the camaraderie and the relationships that are being built in them, and they're so incredibly powerful. I love it. Because the thing about it is, is that is the, 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 the environment in which real ministry can take place. So that when someone, you know, has trouble or a couple has a difficulty or whatever, others that are within that group can come around them, pray with them, believe God with them, strengthen them, support them. And, and that's what can happen in a small group type setting. So that's a thought for you. Also, uh, leading better. We're talking about how am I going to grow personally in a spiritual kind of way. You say, well, what do you mean lead better? Well, lead better as an example. If you're a dad, if you're a husband, you know, or something of that nature, same thing would be true for, you know, a wife, mother, different things, you know, I just want to lead better. I want to be a better example to my kids, you know, and, and if I, and then I kind of identify what maybe isn't the best as far as examples that, that maybe they've seen and so on and so forth. I remember when we were raising our kids, I can't tell you how many times I had to come up with my kids and apologize and ask them to forgive me because I didn't behave right. Am I in the right house? Am I talking to all perfect people here? What, what do we got going here? Yeah, Tom says, yeah, yeah. No, man, I mean, I tell you what, I, there was, there, and I wouldn't say it's often, but there's times when I didn't lead well. So thank God there is forgiveness with Jesus. Aren't you glad? And so if we haven't led well, then maybe in 2020, we're going to do a better job of, of that. Are you with me? Sometimes, you know, and, and, and this is just an example, but let's just talk about uh, those of us that maybe we, we don't have our kids right there at home anymore. They're already out on doing whatever it is that they do. But maybe those relationships are strained. Maybe they're, for whatever reason, they're not viewing life the same way that you do. And so there's just this kind of thing going on. Well, what can I do to help that? What can I do to affect that? Maybe I can, you know, spend some time praying and interceding. The word intercede means to take the place of another. So maybe I can pray for them and, and give myself to that where their lives are concerned. Are you listening to me? We're talking about growing personally, huh? And then not only that, but maybe I'm going to give better shape and form to my own attitude in that relationship, huh? Because sometimes, you know, I mean, people can be ornery. I, I know you probably have never experienced this before, but they can be ornery. And we can reciprocate the same, can't we? Come on. But you know, if we grow and we develop spiritually, then maybe our response to whatever it is that maybe is being said to us or whatever is in a derogatory kind of way, maybe we can respond better. Huh? Maybe we can do it in a more loving kind of way. I'm sorry that you feel the way that you do. That wasn't my intent. You know, I mean, I don't know what that looks like, but it can happen. How many of you know Jesus had people I mean, coming against him every day. I, sometimes I think about him and I think, I, there had to be days, Isla, where he just thought, you know what, I'm just going to stay in bed. Huh? Now, you know, we wouldn't necessarily ever think of Jesus within that light, but he was a human being. And there probably wasn't a day that went by. I mean, after the novelty of his ministry when he became or when he was revealed to Israel, 
you know, and everybody was oohing and on. Things started getting ugly. And people started chewing on him every day. There wasn't probably one day that there wasn't somebody that was lying in wait for him to have something derogatory to say, to challenge him, to discredit him, to do whatever it is that, you know, sinful men have a way of doing. Can I get a witness? Well, so you and I, we're in this world, but thank God we're not of it because our citizenship is in heaven. And Jesus said, I have given you an example that you should follow. Now, I didn't say that was easy, but I can tell you this much about it. It is the winner's way. If you want to win in life, you've got to do it Jesus' way. Can you say amen? And how did Jesus do it? He loved people unconditionally. You know, when he was hung on a cross... The Bible says that some of his last words were, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And I tell you what, there are a whole lot of folk in this world right now that do not have a clue what they're doing. So we can't take it personally unless we choose to. Everybody say choose. Come on. You know, my wife and I, we've been at this for four decades. Yikes. Forty years. You know, time and time again, we've just made the decision not to take it personally, even though it feels that way. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes people, you know, they can, they can, they can blame you. They can get all over your stuff and whatever the case might be. And you just got to say, you know what? <laughs> this is not mine. This is his. Are you listening to me? Praise God. Why? Because we want to win. I don't know about you, but I want to win in life. Amen. And I know that the way that happens is choosing, everybody say choosing, huh? come on, choosing to do life God's way or Jesus' way. Now, the verse here that we're using as a text, highly familiar, I'm thinking, to probably most of you in John chapter 10 and verse 10. Notice with me, if you will, please. It says here, the thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I am come. Hallelujah. That they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. How many of you know that Jesus came so that you could have life? Life as he knows it. That word there, I'm not a Greek scholar, but I can look at a concordance, is the word zoe. And what it means is, is it means the God kind of life. I came so that you can have life as God knows it and have it abundantly. So it's not just talking about eternal life as in duration or uh, quantity, but it's also talking about quality, quality of life. I tell you what, when I gave my heart to Jesus, my whole life changed. And the quality of my life changed. And with every step of obedience, the blessing of God came into my life and it changed and it changed and it changed. Amen. How many of you know you're blessed? Now, you may have some challenges. You might have some stuff going on. But I tell you, at the end of the day, you are blessed. Hallelujah. If for no other reason than what you know or who you know. Are you with me? So maybe we need to focus on that a little bit. Thanks for your enthusiasm. Praise the Lord. It goes without saying, you know, that there are so many things in life that are challenging to us that we have to deal with. I mean, that's just life. Thank God we can deal with it successfully, can't we? I said, can't we? 
I'm telling you what, Jesus made you a winner whether you like it or not. Amen. He came to put you over in life. But you have to do life his way. Now, you know, of course, if you want to do things in some other kind of way, well, then that's, uh, that's your deal. But, but what, do, what is or what does 2020 look like for you? You know, one of the things that we've done in the past, and you know, in the book of uh, Habakkuk, it says that uh, uh, in two, chapter 2, verse 4, it says, write the vision. You know, the prophet was talking, Habakkuk was saying, you know, that he came and spoke to um, uh, Habakkuk, and he said, I want you to write the vision so that the people that read it can run with it. Now, of course, I know that's a spiritual context that he's talking about, but the principle is powerful that if you'll take the time to sit down and write down things that you want to accomplish, maybe in this next year or in the next three years or the next five years, or maybe you've got a 10-year plan. If you're out there, hallelujah. Help me out there because I'd like to see that. Come on. What do you get? You know, it seems like, I don't know how it is about you, but I'm telling you what, five years goes pretty fast. But let's just stick with 2020. I you know, don't want to stretch you too far here. Huh? What's it going to look like? What, 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 what's 2020 going to look like um, in, your, in your family, in your marriage, where your kids are concerned? You know, that type of thing. What's going to happen in your money, your finances? What do you want to see changed? You know, what do you want to do differently? That type of thing. You know, and, and whatever the area is, just categorize them and then start writing some things down. Because I don't know, statistically speaking, it's been said that you're 50% more likely to fulfill the things you write down than the ones you don't. So, hey, can't hurt, right? Not to mention the fact you can go back and say, well, looky there, we're getting along on this one. Oh, looky there, we're not doing anything there. Come on. And it can be a help to you and a blessing to you and something for you to do. Hallelujah. So he came so that we could have life and life more abundant. The Bible says that Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every manner of sickness and disease that was was among them. And then the Bible tells us that when Jesus saw the multitudes, the Bible says he was moved with compassion upon them because they 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 behaved like those that had been scattered and sheep without a shepherd. And he turned to his disciples and said, pray for the Lord, to the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth laborers into this harvest. So we, if you read on, you find out that shortly thereafter, the Bible says that he appointed 70 others, put them in teams of two, sent out 35 teams to go out and do the same thing that he was doing. That is the kingdom of God's business. And the whole thing behind it is, is that God sees people that are scattered as sheep with no shepherd, without direction, aimless in what it is that's going chasing whatever, trying to figure out this, that, or the other. And, and the Bible says that heaven is moved with compassion toward them because of the mess that they've created in their life. And so he sent Jesus. And the interesting thing about that is, is the thing that Jesus used to help people was to teach them the truth. He said, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. Now, let me ask you an important question. What is the truth? What is the truth? The Word, the Bible. 
And, you know, that's why we beat on this all the time, man. I mean, you've got to figure out and decide that you're going to give or make, maybe give is a better way of putting it, give the Word of God first place within your life because it's true. The things that Jesus said are absolutely true. Now, your life may not reflect it. You may not be experiencing what the Bible says, but the Word nonetheless is true. Can you say amen? Let me, let me show you a couple other things that Jesus did that'll help us. Because a lot of times, and this is a reason why we're kind of, you know, camping around this idea is, is a lot of times when things start going sideways on us, we kind of wonder where God is. And sometimes that can morph into something more than just wondering where he's at. We can get mad at him. You know how many people in the world today are mad at God? And they're mad at the wrong person. But they don't know that. Huh? It's very, it's very uh, common. It's human nature, you know, for us to want to blame God. Remember when Adam transgressed against God? I mean, God showed, he laid out the rules. He said, buddy, you can have everything that's here, but that tree right there is mine. And it's an interesting concept that God says, that right there is mine, don't you touch it. And that same principle and concept is true throughout all of our lives. Are you with me? When they went across the Red Sea into the land of, uh, uh, um, yeah, Canaan's land, when they, when they went to Jericho, which was the first city that they overcome, God said, that city is mine. In other words, everything that comes from it goes into the treasury for the kingdom of God. Now, you remember the guy who buried, you know, he stuffed some stuff in his pocket, buried it in his tent, and everything went sideways. Why? Because God, you know, the first fruits of everything is his. People argue all the time. They'll want to fuss and fight, you know, and, and they'll tell the, you know, that the preachers, you know, preaching heresy and whatever when it comes to tithing. But the Bible over and over again talks about bring the first fruits into the storehouse so that there can be meat there and prove me now with it if I won't pour you out a blessing. Hallelujah. It's not that the preacher wants your money. What the preacher's trying to do is get you in a place to where the blessing of God can come on your life. Hallelujah. So everybody say, thank God for the preacher. Yeah, amen. It's true. Hallelujah. Cain and Abel, same deal. I don't know, the story doesn't tell us this, but evidently they knew what the, what the, what the boundaries were and what was required because the Bible says that Abel, he went out and he got the very best, the first fruits of his animals, and he brought them and offered them to the Lord. And Cain, he comes rolling in there with a, you know, a handful of onions and some cabbage. Says, here you go. And God says, well, that's not what I asked for. He says, well, I don't care. And that's the way people are. Am I in the right house? Or did I... Did we turn somewhere we weren't supposed to? No, we're in the right place. Yeah, you know, and, and they got their own ideas about it. And you're welcome to your ideas. Absolutely welcome to them. But I tell you what, if you want to get on the side where heaven's blessing is, then you ought to consider doing it his way. Well, you know, the rest of the story ended up taking his own uh, brother's life. And it was all out of jealousy because 
Abel's gift was accepted and his wasn't. He got mad about it. People do it all the time. Huh? Well, we're talking about growing up. We're talking about developing. We're talking about what's going to happen in 2020. Huh? And we're going to live differently, aren't we? Come on, we're going to do it right. We're going to do it God's way. But look at these two different uh, examples with me, if you would, please. Turn to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. We're just kind of, you know, strolling around here in the Bible, looking at a couple different things. It's obvious that when Jesus came into this world, he came to bless us, to bless humanity. How many of you believe that when Jesus came into this earthbound existence, he began to bless people? He blessed them with the truth, didn't he? He preached about the kingdom. And not only that, he healed every sickness and disease among the people, you know, because sickness and disease is from hell. It's not from heaven. In any way, shape, or form, God's intention is not to try to teach you something with sickness and disease. Huh? He gave you his word so that you could learn the truth and walk in the light thereof. Are you listening to me? Heaven and hell are not working in concert with one another. All right? So thank God we can rejoice in that. That's not really our subject, but it's true anyway. He came to bless humanity and to set the captive free. And guess what? That, that, that pattern and that desire or objective has not changed in 2,000 years. He's doing the same thing. When Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost, listen to what he said. He said this, he made this statement, Unto you first God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you. How many of you know God wants to bless you? Amen. He said, he sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. You know, that's where people get into trouble is when they, they don't obey God. You know, people, when we talk about sin, what is it by definition? What is sin? Well, disobeying God. It's being disobedient to what it is that he said. But unfortunately, men have this way of saying, I don't care what God said. I'm going to do it my way. And again, Aren't you glad that he protects your right to choose whatever you want? And you can do that. But I tell you what, praise God, if you want the blessing of God, you've got to do it his way. And everybody say, that's not bad. That is not bad. It's good. He's saving you from yourself. How many of you still glad you came this morning? Hallelujah. We're going to clean house. Glory to God. We're going to get this thing swept and clean and get it the way it needs to be so that heaven, praise God, can show up in our lives. You know, it's interesting because, you know, the Bible says, the Bible, everybody say the Bible. I'm going to read in Matthew chapter 8. Did you find it yet? Okay, well, I'm, I'm, I'm circling the wagons here and I'll get there in a minute. But I want, you to, I want you to know what the Bible says right here. It says, wherefore, seeing that we also are compassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight or encumbrance, and the sin that so easily besets or disqualifies us. And let's run with patience or endurance or steadfastness the race that's set before us. How? Looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Praise God. He's the one that puts us over in life. Can you say amen? He's the one that puts us over in life. And when we obey him, you know, a lot of times we say, well, I've been obeying God, but nothing's changing. Just wait. I said, just wait. I said, just wait. 
Keep on keeping on. Hallelujah. Keep doing what it is that he said because I'm telling you, payday's coming. Are you listening to me? And that's, I think, what kind of sometimes, you know, uh, robs people of the blessing of God is, is they don't have much patience. You know, they want it yesterday. We live in this fast, you know, immediate kind of world, you know, and the last thing we want to do is wait. I tell you what, my wife and I, we've decided we're going to follow him and we're going to do his bidding. Amen. And we're going to live our lives in a way as best as we know how to live acceptably unto him. And we know that in that, the blessing of God will come on our lives. Hallelujah. You know, I might have to obey God for three months or three years or whatever the case, or 30 years, but I'm telling you what, payday is coming. If not in this life, at least in the next. I can't lose, and neither can you. But we have to make decisions, praise God, that complement that. Now, notice this in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 1. When Jesus was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshiped him, saying, now listen, Lord, if you are, what's that next word? Willing. You can make me whole. So what is the question here? It's not a question of whether the guy thought he was able. The question was, are you willing, right? And the next verse, it says, Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Now turn over to chapter 9 with me, Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, verse 29. Well, 27. Look what it says here. When Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying, saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus said to them, now listen, Do you believe that I am able? Everybody say able. So the last one we talked about is willingness. Now Jesus is asking these two, Do you think I'm able? He said, do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said to him, yes, Lord. And so then he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, be it unto you. And hallelujah, their eyes were opened. Glory to God. So evidently, they believed that he was able. So the reason I bring these two verses of Scripture up to you is to point out that both of them reveal something to you and I, and that is simply this, that God is both willing... And he is able, hallelujah, to change every one of our lives for good and not evil. Are you listening to me? Everybody say this together. The Lord is on my side. The Lord is for me. If God be for me, who can be against me? And again, the reason that I bring this to your attention is, is again, so much of the time when it gets hot in the kitchen, you know what I mean by that? When we face difficulty and challenge, for some reason or another, we think that God has forsaken us or somehow or another, he's not involved. Well, he is. Thank God forevermore. And he wants us to simply believe. And that's the question here. He said, do you believe? Everybody say believe. He said, do you believe that I am able to do this? So it wasn't a question of his willingness nor his ability. The question was, what are you going to believe? Hallelujah. It's never a question of what God can do. 
It's a question of what you and I can believe. Are you with me? So when we look into the Word of God, the perfect law of liberty, we begin to discover the will of God that He wants us to have life and life more abundantly, that Himself took our infirmity and bare our sicknesses, and by the stripes of Jesus we were healed, that there is blessing, there's grace, that God wants to provide for our needs, that we can have our needs met. All of these things, promises. Excuse me, water. All of these promises are in the Word of God. And all we got to do is be smart enough to believe it. And some well-meaning person will come along and say, well, you know, now that's not what the Bible says. Well, read it for yourself. You know, I was mentioning this earlier, but the Bible says, praise God, to bring the first fruits of all your increase to the Lord, honor the Lord with your substance and the first fruit of all your increase. And this is what it says so shall your barns be filled with plenty. Amen. And a lot of times, you know, I mean, I don't think sometimes we realize just how full our barns are. Oh, we got needs and we have things that are going on. I'm telling you what, you guys, you're blessed. Hallelujah. We're not standing in the street begging. Come on. I mean, you know, I mean, our lives are wonderfully blessed. When is it enough? The Bible says that we're to be content with such things. And that's not to mean that you can't advance, that you can't. I mean, Patty Dunnick was just here. They took up $1.3 million for that girl in Samoa last week in Sarasota, Florida. $1.3 million. Giddy up! I mean, to tell you, you know, I mean, that is astounding. That is amazing. That is fantastic. And here's this widow woman in the middle of the South Pacific turning the world upside down. She's not a widow anymore, but I mean, you know, she's remarried and things like that. 1.3 million, who does that? God does. And he uses people to do it. And, and the whole reason behind my saying that is, is I believe that God wants to make a whole bunch of you wealthy. Not so that you can consume it on yourself, but that you can do stuff like that. Kenneth Copeland Ministries gave him $350,000. That's not chicken feed. Huh? But a whole bunch of folk before that ever happened had given him half a million dollars just in offerings. Now, here's my point behind that. I I use this as an example to tell you we really need to straighten out the way we think about money. Money is intended to be our servant, not we serve it. Are you with me? And if you'll ever get to the place to where it loses its hold on you, then it can become your servant instead of you serving it. Does that make sense to you? But people, you know, they covet money. They can't get enough of it. They pile it up, you know, whatever they do or whatever. And that's not God's plan. Are you listening to me? And really, I'm telling you the whole thing. Why am I getting back into this? The whole thing about tithing is just to simply say, God, you are first. This is what you want. This is what you can have. Hallelujah. And the sooner that we learn it, the better off that we are. When my wife and I got started, you know, I use this example all the time. I mean, I made 406 bucks a month when somebody else that I talked to later made 4000 a month. Well, how many of you know it's easier to tithe on 4000 than it is 400 
Huh? That 40 bucks becomes a big deal. Huh? But if you got 4,000 and you give them 400, you still got 36. Oh, am I doing the math right on this deal? So it isn't that God is opposed to us, you know, advancing and having more. I mean, hallelujah. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. Are you with me? Is this helping anybody? I'm just telling you, praise God, that God wants to use you. I mean, isn't it wonderful? Think about this with me, that you, you know, somebody's got a need like the one I just got done talking to you about with Patty and Samoa, you know, and, and you have the wherewithal to give somebody $10,000. Wouldn't that be a charge? Huh? Well, let's work towards it. Are you listening to me? We have, I don't know, 16, 17 people or ministries, I should say, that we support every month you know, with, with offerings and things like that to help support them. But, you know, I was thinking about it, and I thought, you know what? I want to be able to get, you know, when they got a big need, I want our church to be able to, you know, make it happen. Huh? With five or 10 or 20,000, there was a church out in Colorado that gave $30,000, you know, to help Patty. Cool! I mean, that is just stinking cool, isn't it? But if you ain't got it, you're not giving it. Are you with me? So God isn't opposed to us having things. He's opposed to things having us. And God wants you to have a savings account. If I spend everything I have, come on. You know, he talks about storehouses. Build yourself some storehouses. And start putting some stuff in there. Are you with me? Used to be, I don't know what the number is now. It used to be the Japanese. They saved 52% of everything they made smart. Maybe that's one of your goals for 2020. You're going to start laying up in store. So you have some, you know, so when your refrigerator dies, you don't go, my God, what are we going to do now? I guess we'll take our stuff down to the neighbor and ask them if they can throw it in there for us for a while until we can figure out what to do. Wouldn't it be better if your refrigerator dies, you just go to Nebraska Furniture Mart and buy one? Come on now, glory to God. Does God want that for you? I said, does he want that for you? Amen. You know, don't, don't live with the stingy. They is some stingy folk. They're so tight, they squeak when they walk. You know? God don't bless stingy, but he sure enough does bless generous. And generous is a relative term. It's like I said before, my wife and I, you know, when we first got started, you know, 400... Don't forget about, uh, what was that stuff you sold? Huh? Avon. Johnny, thank God for Avon. Yeah. And not only that, but there was two or three, four couples that lived here when my wife and I went to school. I'm talking about when we were at school, and they, they would send an offering to us every month. Oh, I'm telling you, man, the first of the month, it was so fun to go to the mailbox because the rest of the other 30 days, it was usually bills. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, Avon, it's great. The only thing better than Avon is selling Avon when there's a snowstorm in Tulsa. Because if they get this much snow, they're not going anywhere. And they're all home. And they're bored and they want to buy stuff. It's great. It's what got us through school. Amen. But we've moved up some. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you what, praise God, he wants to do that for everyone. I said he wants to do it for everybody. Amen.
So anyway, praise God, I went off the track here. I'm, I'm not sure where I'm at. Oh, it's what you believe. It's never a question of what God's willing to do or able to do. It's just everything, listen, you guys, everything Jesus said was true. The Bible says, God said, I'll bless your bread and water. I'll make you the head and not the tail. You'll be above only and not beneath. Well, we ought to start believing that. Amen? Not in some kind of arrogant kind of way, but the fact of the matter is, is there is a place that he wants us to, 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 to possess or take or, or live in. Are you with me? And you know as well as I do that if you're in that kind of a position, you have the ability to be able to help others. You can't help other people if you don't have anything. But I'm telling you what, if God raises you up, it puts you in a position to be able to do it, and it is glorious to be able to do that. Are you with me? It's awesome. We, my wife and I here, oh, it's been some years back. Um, we, um, how can I say this? There was, a, there was a couple in our church that were getting ready to buy a piece of real estate and the last day, the whole thing went sideways. And so they had called us, you know, to pray. And um, so we did. And we're in the car driving down the road. I looked at her. She looked at me. And uh, I said, I think we should help them. And she said, I think we should too. And so we called them back and said, you know what the devil meant for evil? God is going to turn into good. And so what we did is we helped them fund the needed monies that they had because we had it, okay? And we helped them. You say, well, I wish you'd do that for me, Pastor. If heaven tells me to, I will. I got no problem with that. But we helped them. And then, you know, pretty soon, it's, it's a long story, but the long and the short of it is, is that after not too long, I don't know, maybe nine months or a year or something like that, they, they paid us the money back and they got their home. Are you with me? See, the devil's a liar. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. But I'm telling you, you guys, God wants to put you in a position to be able to help people. Are you with me? You know, the Bible talks about if you have it within your means and that you don't do it, then what's up with that? You know what I'm saying? But I'm not talking, I hope you understand the spirit of what it is that I'm saying. It, it's not always about money. Sometimes it can be what you know. Sometimes you can seed or sow into a person's life what you know to help them so that they, uh, you know, can be blessed. I'll give you a great example. I don't think you'd mind telling me, uh, tell, but, but uh, Gary and Connie came off, Gary and Connie Crowell, the missionaries from China. They came back to the U.S. and they've been, you know, traveling and things and a lot of what's going on in China, they have already fulfilled. They've created curriculum and different stuff so that it can disseminate through the people, you know, uh, that are in that nation and all of this. So they're back in the country, and um, um, they need a place to stay. Right now, they're staying with their son and daughter-in-law, and that's okay. But, you know, after about so long, you kind of like to have your own spread. You know what I'm saying? Huh? And so the, he was talking about, you know, how to maybe go about that and different things like that. And, and I just used my own experience from some time back, and I said, why don't you buy a duplex? He says, a duplex? I said, yeah, buy a duplex, and then you can live in one side, and you can have somebody live in the other, and they can make the payment for you. Wow, never thought about that. I said, that's what I did with my mother. When my mother was living in Logan, 
her and my brother Raymond, you know, they were wanting to move closer to the church and get involved in the church. And there was a duplex that came up and was available. I said, Mom, buy it. And I said, you know, that way you can go in there. She didn't have a lot of money, okay? She had, you know, a few acres that she got some rent off of and different things like that in order to live and, you know, her Social Security check. Now that's about it. But I said, Mom, if you buy this duplex, I said, you can rent the other side out and they can make the payment. It won't cost you a dime. You just live there basically for free. So well, I never thought about that. Well, so when I was talking to Connie or uh, Gary and Connie about it, I said, if you can find one, do that. Well, it's just a simple kind of thing. It's something that we know. It was something that we could sow into their lives and say, consider this. They don't have to do that. They want to, they can go buy a house and, you know, pay their mortgage or whatever it is that they want to do. You see what I'm saying? I mean, you guys, you got all kinds of things on the inside of you that you can make a contribution to others especially young people. I mean, there's wisdom you guys, a bunch of you older people have, and they might, you know, not listen to you or probably should have or whatever the case, but at least you can sow it into their life. Are you guys still glad you came? We're talking about how things are going to be different for you in this new year. And so we need to look at that and see what happens. Okay, let's close by turning to um, Deuteronomy chapter 30. You guys are such great listeners. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Deuteronomy chapter 30. Let me make a couple uh, of uh, statements to you here before we read this verse of Scripture. Remember I mentioned to you that he said, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Hmm? A lot of times we talk, when we talk about believing or believing God, we usually talk about it in the context of something that we want or something we need. People say, well, I'm trusting or I'm believing God for whatever. But there's another side to believing God, and that is, is that when we learn or discover his will that we say, I believe, and we conform our life to what he said. You with me? Because that's where blessing is. Now, why do I say that? Because a lot of times people, you know, they say, well, I'm a Christian, you know. Well, good for you. Praise the Lord, you know. And people say, well, I, you know, I believe. And again, praise the Lord. So does the devil. You know what I'm saying? I mean, in other words, just because people, you know, make these statements, the question, the real question is, is how are we living? Are you with me? <laughs> Start the car, baby. It's getting quiet. Hallelujah. Yeah. You know, how are we living? Because here's my point, you guys. There's things that you and I know, and we are faced with a choice as to whether or not we're going to obey it, right? Huh? I'll give you a great example. You know, people, I mean, they don't really say it, but this is the way it sometimes will flesh out in their life. You'll, people do this. They say, well, it doesn't matter if I mistreat my spouse, speak harshly to them. I mean, after all, they've got it coming. Really? You say, do people really do that? I, we're not talking about anybody here. We're talking about the people that didn't show up today. But the truth of the matter is, is that Christian or not, there's some funky thinking that people have sometimes. Are you with me? In other words, how many of you know that hurting people hurt people? Huh? 
We've seen it all the time. You know, people, they'll, they'll make statements and stuff because they're broken, they're jaded, they're messed up, and they want to, they you know, they want to lay it on somebody else. So I don't really need to treat my spouse, you know, uh, uh, or I can, I can mistreat her or speak hard. You can. You absolutely can. But I can tell you this much, you're going to get a harvest too. And it ain't going to be pretty. You know, the scriptures tell us that, you know, we're not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Did you know that? That's in the Bible. And yet you see people all the time, you know, uh, getting connected with people that they shouldn't be. I remember when I was doing a Bible study, I think I shared this with you one time, you know, my wife and I did this young Bible study. And uh, this guy comes up to me, he says, hey, what do you think about dating unbelievers? And I didn't have a real good answer you know, at the time, but it just come up out of the inside of me. I said, I don't know, what do you think? And you know why that came? Because he knew. He knew exactly what the Bible had to say. Well, he went ahead and married that girl eventually, and uh, it lasted a brief period of time, and then it ended up in divorce. Are you with me? When I got saved, God put me in a grocery store as a trophy of his, because I'd grown up in a community, and everybody knew me, and they knew that I couldn't possibly be the way I was without help from heaven. And so he puts me in this grocery store, and I got to tell you, it's a pretty humbling kind of thing when they yell carry out over the intercom, and you've got to come running and haul somebody's groceries out to their car. Don't just stay easy on me, you know. That's what I did, stock shelves, fronted shelves, you know, did all that, whatever, whatever. And I'm in this, and I have a friend that I um, uh, went to high school with, and he's coming into the store all the time, and he is saying, hey, man, you, we need to go do this business together. And I'm going, oh, oh, man, we can make all kinds of money. Listen, hear, hear what's being said. We can make all kinds of money, and you wouldn't have to be here. And he didn't say it, but it was like, after all, you don't like it here anyway. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And so over a period of time, and I, and I talked to people. I said, you know, I'm thinking about doing this, you know, and what do you think about it? And what scripture do they bring up? That one. Thou shalt not be unequally yoked, because he wasn't a believer. Are you with me? Okay. So, so what do I do? I quit my job, and I go to work with this guy. Oh, it's great in the beginning. Oh, hey, hallelujah. You know, and all this and that. How long did it last? Inquiring minds want to know, nine months, because we were so diametrically opposed on values, on objectives, on all kinds of stuff, it was a bust. And it took me, I don't know how long, to get myself straightened out again. So what's the moral of that story? Don't do what I did. Huh? Why don't we listen to the Bible? You know, I knew. We know, mind the right house. I'm telling you what, dude, listen to your spirit. Listen to your heart. And it, and it is tough because I didn't like my job. I didn't like what I was doing. I wanted to be, you know, I want to do something else, you know. And that's all well and good, but let's do it within his time frame with his leading. Are you with me? Now, I lost that job, you know, went out and done a bunch of dinking around and brought a reproach on the body of Christ and everything else, but thank God Jesus redeemed and stuck me back in that place. And I just decided, I don't care if I got to be here until Jesus comes, man. These shelves are going to look great. 
because I learned my lesson. And then we ended up going to Bible school and away we went. Are you with me? But yet right on the other hand, you know, I, I, I use this statement, you know, I know the Bible says I shouldn't be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever, but that's what I want. And that's what I did. Guess what? It didn't work. Are you with me? Now, maybe you're in that situation. Maybe you've, you know, done that or whatever. How many of you know, again, let's go back to this. Aren't you glad he forgives? Huh? And that he can make it right. He got, you know, I mean, you know, praise God. We're not perfect. Did you all find Deuteronomy chapter 30? Notice what it says here. Look in verse 15. Hallelujah. It says, See, I have set before thee this day life and good, death and evil. God is speaking. One translation says it this way, I've set before you life and prosperity, death and disaster. Another one says death and adversity. Another one says death and destruction. I've set them before you. Look at verse 19. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose what? Choose what? Life. So that both you and your seed may live so that God or so that uh, that thou mayest love the Lord your God and that you may obey his voice and that you might cleave to him because he is your life and the length of your days. Glory be to God forevermore. Everybody say it together. It doesn't cost. It pays to obey God. So as we go on into 2020, you know, what is it maybe that we need to clean up? What is it that we need to change? What is it that we need to do differently? Are you listening to me? You know, write them down. Put them down. Say, honey, let's get together. I mean, if you're married. If you ain't got no honey, maybe you want to get one. I don't know. But anyway, you know, let's write them down. Let's put them down on paper and let's say, hey, let's get after this. Are you with me? My wife and I, we, we, we made some financial goals, you know. And like, for example, I was thinking about buying a new truck. Do you know new trucks are really nice? Surely they, write, they smell better than the one you got, huh? And they probably ride better too. And they don't have near as many miles on them either. But you know, we had our conversation with one another, and guess what? There is nothing wrong with my truck, and I'm going to keep driving it. <laughs> Nuts. Why? Because we wanted to do some other things, and we're going to accelerate uh, some different things that we want to do as a result of it and have already started that, huh? Because I'm telling you what, the end of 2020, baby, free bird right here. With me? Had a... Uh, <clears throat> one of the members of our church here years ago when we were flying um, the one plane that we had, um, he knew that I wanted to have a different plane, one that's bigger, faster, you know, all those kinds of things, you know. Everybody say bigger's better. Oh, bigger's better. You know, uh, uh, Terry Hummel's back there. He used to fly Cobras, you know, in, in Vietnam, so he knows all about aircraft and different things like that. And so I wanted to a different one. But how many of you know they cost money? Somehow or another, everything costs money. And so, you know, I, I'm, I'm wanting to do this. I'm wanting to make this move. I'm wanting to have a different airplane. Well, this, um, this individual is in our church. They went away and uh, started, they retired and took off. And he come back, he says, you get that plane yet? I said, no, I didn't. Because he knew that I wanted. I said, instead, I bought a... Uh, bunch of apartments. You can't fly apartments. 
Did you know that? You know? And, and uh, he just looked at me and he said, good move. You know why? Because airplanes, I mean, even when they're not even moving, cost you money. But at least an apartment will make you money. Are you with me? Call it deferred gratification. Call it whatever you want. Okay? Now, that was probably, I don't know, 15 years ago or something like that. Guess what? I got a different plane. You know what? And it's, you know, with ease. Why? Because I got this little thing over here that makes me money and pays for it. What am I trying to tell you? You know, the reality is, is that God wants you to move. We make, we make poor decisions sometimes. We don't want to wait. We don't want to invest. And God wants you to invest. Find places where you can make some money. Am I in the right house? Are you with me? If you're living in an apartment, work to find a house that you can buy. Most people don't even buy houses anymore. But you know, you can, now you can buy them. I mean, like you can borrow 100% of it, I think, can't you? Anybody know? The collapse of 2008 is because we were borrowing 125% of the value of a house. Guess what? That don't work. So the whole thing went in the tube. And guess what? We're right back at it right now. Okay? Well, that's good for you. Can be. You know? So get yourself a house. Say, well, I don't want no house. You know, if I got a house, then I got to take care of it. And I got to do that. Yes, yes, and yes. Well, I don't want to do that. Okay, great. Find yourself another rat hole, buddy, to put your money in because there's going to come a day when you're going to want some and you ain't going to have none. Why? Because you didn't buy the house. Remember this day. Pastor said, are you with me? I don't care if you don't buy no house, but find another hole to put it in. You with me? Some people, you know, the the house, you know, they got these, what do they call these things? Uh, uh, These mortgage, um, reverse mortgage. Yeah. You know, and then they put Tom Selleck or somebody like that, you know, everybody's supposed to trust. And how did I get off on this? Listen, here's the deal. Your house has value. They want it. So they make this nice little deal so that they can give you so much money. But I'm telling you what, at the end, you ain't going to have none. Nothing. Now, you know, you might just say to yourself, what difference does it make? I'll be old, dead, and I don't care. Well, I'm just telling you that everything that's put up there isn't always to your advantage. Now, if you need extra money, I mean, I understand that. Everybody's got their own deal. But here's my point. My point is, is that that home has, is an asset. It has value, and at least they can use it. If, I, I must be talking to some young people or something, or I don't know who I'm talking to. But get yourself a house. You got a house? I had a boy. I was going to chew on you for a while, but you know, <laughs> i find somebody else. Invest. Save your money. Put it in something, you know? Are you with me? Don't spend everything you have. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Oh, it's 05. Come on. We got to quit. Y'all glad you came? I was all over the place today, but I don't care. 
I hope that some of the things I share with you, think about what you heard as it applies to your life and say, how can I make an application of this in my life? Because God wants to bless you. He wants to prosper you, you know? And so, so there may be some deferred gratification that has to go on in your life that you don't buy the truck, you don't buy this, you don't buy that, you don't need another boat. I was just looking at boats. Yeah, we don't even want a boat. And I opened up this Bass Pro, at, you know, little flyer thing, man, and these boats are like 50 and 60 grand. I mean, what do they do? Fly? You know? Well, I don't think that God's opposed to you having a boat. You want one, you can have one. But it's better for you to have the boat than the boat to have you. Huh? That's all I'm saying about that. Praise the Lord. Y'all glad you came today? I mean, we've been all over the place, but hopefully this is of some value to you in the context of what God wants. I, I, you know, you guys, come on, let's just, let's raise the level of our life. Come on, let's move up a little bit. You know, let's begin sowing where we need to sow and do some things we need to do, you know, and helping people, loving people, praying for people. You know, you got loved ones, you know, they're out there someplace. Don't give up on them. I'm telling you, don't faint. Don't, don't lose heart. I mean, I, sometimes you, you just think, man, what's the use? I tell you, heaven's, heaven is the use. That's the reason why. Keep praying for them and believe in God. They need your prayers. Are you with me? Let's everybody stand up. Hallelujah. I got to quit talking. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Ghost. Woo! Thank you, Lord. Let's all lift one hand up toward heaven. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for your promises to me. I ask you, Lord, to guide me in the way I should go. Thank you, Lord, for helping me to stay strong, make the right decisions, do the right things. And I know, Lord, that when I do, your blessing will rest upon it. And I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Father, I just thank you for these precious people and even all the others, Father God, who've made this church their home. God, I pray that in this next year that, God, you'll be able to use us in a powerful kind of way to impact the world that is around us, Father, with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for giving aid and support to all those that are in need. I thank you, Father God, for your wisdom within their lives. I I pray, Father, for strength, Father, in the hearts and in the minds of these that are gathered here today. Father, that they wouldn't lose heart, faint, give up, allow discouragement to overwhelm them, Father God, but that they'd be strong in you and in the power of your might. Thank you, Lord, for helping them to reach the desires and the dreams that they have within their hearts. And I just thank you, Father God, for your blessing in every home, every individual, and every family in this church. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. How many of you are going to heaven? Hallelujah. Well, if you're not, I'm telling you what, there's a boatload of us that are, and we'd love